allow me to, to share with you uh, the, the Word of God this morning. Anyone want to hear the Word of God? Anyone want to hear it? Absolutely. Um, okay, um, my prop this morning is a clock because time is near, and I, I hope that that resonates with you. Uh, let me share the first of many scriptures. Um, before I do that, I want to share with you the timeline that we're going to discuss this morning. This is the last day's sequence of events, all right? So it starts on the seven days of creation with Adam and Eve. Now, realize this, that time started here, but that is not, I mean, God has always existed, and there was a huge war in heaven long before Adam ever came about, long before the world was ever created. There was a huge war in heaven. So just know this, that this is the timeline of humans on earth, but lots happened prior to that. Um, so this is Adam and Eve right here. This is the flood. This is when Jesus was born, Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, day of Pentecost, the Azusa Street celebration is somewhere in here. We were born somewhere in here. Signs, the signs that Jesus is coming has been happening all through here. All through here, signs have been happening. But if you read Matthew chapter 24, you will notice that right now, there are more signs pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back more than ever before. If you're new to the church world and you're saying, what are you talking about signs? If I invite you over to my house this evening, I'll say, hey, when you see this particular elementary school, take the next left. Because the elementary school is the sign that you are near our house. And so in Matthew chapter 24 in the Bible, there's a checklist, a literal checklist that you can use to say, okay, when you start seeing these signs, the Lord's return is near. Now, here's what's fascinating. Um, those signs are all happening for the first time in, in human history. They're all happening at the very same time. Uh, and it's my hope, it's my concern and my hope. The Bible says that one of the signs will be in the last days, people will become lovers of themselves and they will love evil and they will turn from sound doctrine and they will gather around themselves teachers that will tickle their ears. In other words, I don't like what this preacher is saying. I'm going to go down the street and find that preacher, see if I like what he said. I don't like what he said. I'm going to go to the next church. No, I'm going to go to the next church. And hearts, the Bible says, will become seared. When you think of a seared heart, think of seared steak, a piece of steak that's just been on the grill for way too long. The, the heart is now so seared that it's no longer tender to the voice of God, the message of God. And so when a preacher speaks or your neighbor talks about Jesus, it just hits it and drops off. It's like, it's like you, you just, your eyes are looking at the person talking, but you just don't care. Does that, has anyone ever talked to somebody like that? You can tell by looking at them, they don't care about what you're saying. These are all signs, and if there's anyone in this room, just know this, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you prior to this moment because um, I don't know how many times I get to speak. I don't know how many times we're going to be able to have service. I don't know. But I know that the Lord is near and, and I want your heart to be tender more than I want anything else in my life. And so um, this right here is the signs. Where we're going to start is with the rapture. Um, I want to talk about the rapture. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 52. It reads like this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but, when, but we will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Uh, this is when the rapture will take place. And let me, um, Kirk Cameron did a Left Behind movie years ago. Many of you saw it. We just grabbed a clip from it that we want to share with you right now to show you what it's going to be like when Christians, believers of Christ, are raptured 
up into the air and leave the earth. And the Bible says, in a twinkling of an eye. Because the world is going to be chaos when that happens. All of a sudden, millions of people are missing. Why don't you take a look at this? that you were the greatest baseball player in the whole world. And you know what? What? He's right. <laughs> I love you. I miss you, buddy. Flight 257. Something impossible just took place on this plane. It's unbelievable as this may sound. People from all over this plane have simply vanished. Leaving their clothes and all personal possessions, everything else. That is, that is to the best of our imagination of what it's going to look like. But it's going to be far worse and far more devastating. I think the, the toughest part is going to be for all the people that know exactly what happened. Because there's going to be a lot of non-believers and they're going to be completely confused. But then there's going to be a lot of people that allowed their heart to sear. They grew up in the church. They, they went to Sunday school or they started going to church uh, six months prior and they know the truth, but they just took an incredibly casual approach and they allowed their heart to get seared. The trend and direction of their life was not going towards the Lord and they never thought it would really happen or at least they lived that way. See, the, the trick of the enemy is this. First, to convince you that he doesn't exist. And then if he misses that lie... Then he tries to convince you that how you live doesn't matter. And he spends the rest of, uh, of your time on earth trying to convince you of one of those two lies. And so the most devastating point will be when the people who know the truth, when all of a sudden their spouse is gone or their children are gone, they know the truth and they're like, oh my goodness, this just happened. Um, now, I want to share with you something that's this. I promise there will be a lot of moments in this message that will be very encouraging and exciting. This just is not one of them. Um, the Bible is crystal clear that 50% of the church believers will not be taken in the rapture. 
Let me give you an example. Don't read it right now. Read it when you get home. But write down Matthew chapter 25. See, in Matthew chapter 24, he gives you a checklist of things to look for right before he returns. But the very next chapter, Jesus tells a parable about ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom. And the Bible says this, that they all are standing there waiting for their bridegroom. They don't doubt that there is a bridegroom. That the belief system is there. But the Bible says that half of them, five of them, and, and I believe it's in the NIV version, it says that they did not think that they would have to wait that long. And so they allowed the oil in their lamp. They, they didn't pack enough oil. They didn't have, they, they didn't strive. An oil is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. They did not have a firm grasp, a hold of the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says that their flame went out. You see, Paul tells Timothy, his, his student, he says, fan that flame. Blow on it. Pay attention to how passionate you are. Because if you feel your passion towards the Lord going down, Timothy, fan that flame. How do you fan the flame? You worship. You go to church. You open up the Bible and you say to yourself, this is so boring, I'm going to read it until it's interesting. You, 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 you pray, you worship, you don't feel like praying. I like what Pastor Bedinger said. He says, if you don't feel like praying, pray until you feel like praying. This is, you fan the flame. See, our flesh loves the things of the world. And when you notice your attraction towards sinful things getting stronger, inevitably, like a seesaw, your attraction towards spiritual things will get weaker. So as you long for sinful things, your desire for spiritual things will drop. But when you desire spiritual things, your desire for sinful things will drop. And so Paul tells Timothy, when you feel that flame, blow on it, cultivate it. And so here's the thing, those five virgins, they call, the Bible calls them foolish virgins. They allowed the flame to go out. And so when the bridegroom showed up, they were frantic and they asked to borrow oil from the five wise virgins. And the wise virgins could not let them borrow it. That's like you asking to borrow somebody's faith. Hey, I don't believe in God, but you believe in God. Can I go to heaven? You can't borrow somebody else's. You, it, when somebody pays the price to invest into God, you don't get what they had to pay for. You got you to gotta pursue it yourself. And the wonderful thing about that is pursuing it is a whisper away. All you have to do is say, Jesus, and he is closer than a brother. And so uh, the 50% of the church will not be taken up in the rapture. Let me give you an ex another example. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21, verse 23, Christians, believers, Jesus tells this story. It says, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we preach in your name? And Jesus says back to them, be gone from me. I never knew you. In other words, you knew my name, but we didn't know each other. We did not know each other. So what are we saying here? 50% of the church, when the rapture takes place right here, is going to be still here. Because a casual approach is at best a lukewarm approach. And a lukewarm people get spat out of their mouth by God. The Bible says this, I would rather you be cold or hot, but lukewarm, I will spit you out. Let me ask you a question. Are you on fire? Are you passionate for God? Is your heart not passionate? It's actually the exact opposite. It's cold. Now you may be saying, I'm in church, all right? We're not talking about church. We don't, you don't get a star for good attendance. We're not talking about church. See, some of you that are new to this church, new to celebration, this is your first time. You're like, oh my gosh, where did I just walk into? 
I'll just tell you now, this, a lot of people come to Celebration Church once. I'm just telling you. This is not the church where we play patty cake. You can play patty cake at Showbiz Pizza. You can play patty cake in the cul-de-sac on your street. But here, I've got to stand before God, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute. i got to stand before God, and God's going to look at me and say, where are my people? And I cannot look at them and say, I wanted them to like me, so I told them three poems and a story and made them like me, and they kept coming back. I didn't want them to not come back, God. And he's going to say, yeah, they came back, but they're not here. There's a big difference between being a resident of a church and being a resident in heaven. They are not the same thing. I drank coffee this morning, so put your seatbelt on. All right. So when the rapture takes place, I want you guys to uh, realize that that is not the second coming of Christ. Okay, so he came once here. Jesus is born. Right here, Jesus is not coming to the earth. We are leaving the earth. But he's not coming to the earth. Those are two separate events. He will come to the earth, but it's way over here. Lots has to happen between the time that the rapture takes place and Jesus comes back to the earth. Lots has to happen. Let's talk about it. This is the judgment throne, the Bema seat. Believers get judged. This is where I stand before God and he peels back the surface. See, no one can no no man should judge another man. We can never look at somebody and judge them and speak bad of them and and condemn them. Anytime you speak critical of a person, we are learning that skill from the enemy. We don't realize it or not, but the Bible says this that he is the condemner, the accuser of the brethren. Satan is the condemner, the accuser of the brethren. So anytime we accuse somebody of not being the person that we think they should be, we are learning that whispers into our ear. We're learning that from the accuser. We are not judges. We should not judge each other. Now watch this. When we stand before God, so we go into, there's this rapturing moment that's phenomenal. This is when you see Jesus Christ. Oh, that is like, this is when I get mad at my vocabulary skills because I don't have the adjectives to string together to tell you how phenomenal that is going to be. He saw you over here on the timeline. You were born over here. He has been waiting for you. So when you are raptured, this moment I I don't even have the words. You're seeing Moses. You're seeing Noah. I mean, they're asking you how cell phones worked. I mean, it is it is a moment. I mean, it is a phenomenal moment. Uh, My wife had a miscarriage three years ago. This is where we get to meet that baby. Ladies, who had a miscarriage in the room? Jessica? This is where you meet your baby, right here. Those uh, ladies, if if you've had an abortion, number one, ask the Lord to forgive you for that. Number two, realize that He is no longer mad at you about that. Number three, you've got a family reunion right here. This, this is an awesome moment. 50% of the church will not be there. But then we go up and then we got the judgment seat. Now, we, this is when we stand before God and, and we are literally, there will be great loss and there will be great rewards. Let me share with you some scriptures about the judgment seat. In Luke chapter 9, verse 48, it says this, 
Then he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. The moment he said those words, whoever is the least among you is the greatest, he implies rank. So I want you to think about it like this. If we all go to the park this afternoon for a picnic, that is not how heaven is. Heaven is more like a military Air Force base. When you walk onto a military Air Force base, my dad was in the military for 10 years, you walk onto a military Air Force base, you look at people and you can tell their rank. They have stripes, they have different kind of clothes, they have different kind of hats, and that is exactly what happens right here is there are rewards that are passed out and from that moment forward for the rest of eternity there is rank in heaven watch this in first corinthians chapter 3 verses 12 through 15 just write all this stuff down read it when you get home anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials gold silver jewels wood hay or straw but on the judgment day fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value, if your life had any value. Do you hear what I'm saying? If your life had any value. You say, well, I drove a, a Rolls Royce. The Rolls Royce is right here. This is where you're at. Rolls-Royce, you. Rolls-Royce, you. If your life had any value, the fire will show if your life had any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. You get to stay in heaven. But like someone barely escaping through the walls of flames, you get to stay here. But when rewards are passed out, see, God peels back what everyone else is seeing and he goes straight to the truth. Let me use myself as an example. What you see is a bald headed Italian wearing a suit preaching. What God sees is what my, my motivation is. And when I stand before God, he will discuss my motivation. He will say, were you trying to build your church? Were you trying to make yourself popular? Were you trying to make yourself famous? Or were you trying to make me famous? We're going to talk about that right now. Yeah. This is, this is when right here, uh, right here, all of you that pray and you feel like you're the only one in your family praying this is where you get rewarded these are all the times when you don't understand why you didn't get a yes but you keep on praying this is when you get rewarded this is when you are the people that are faithful when no one else is faithful this is when he looks at you and says well done my good and faithful servant this is when he says the world was dark but you hung on well done, my good and faithful servant. These are, the, these are the, the, the adjectives that are used. Let me see if I can find it in these 17 pages of notes here. These are the adjectives that are used. Uh, I don't have them here. I'm so sorry. Nope, I got it. Overcomers, victorious, profitable servants. Those who are, are watching and waiting right here. Rapture, you're watching and waiting, you're watching and waiting, and this little voice that you've been watching and waiting for 50 years, yes, that's right, I'm watching and waiting, your great, 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 great grandmother's been watching and waiting, I know, and so am I, I'm watching and waiting, I'm watching and waiting, watch this, those who did not faint, they endured testing, they did not deny the faith, they hung on there are so many distractions so many distractions you hung on you kept on this is when you are rewarded here you say well what kind of rewards are there so glad you asked there are different levels of authority just like an air force base 
You're the, the, the feeble grandmother who has to have a walker may be the most authoritative person in heaven that you have ever met here on earth. Kings on earth are servants in heaven and servants on earth are kings in heaven. Watch this. Different levels of authority are in heaven. There are five different types of crowns in heaven. And the different types of crowns mean different things. There are robes of salvation and gowns of righteousness. So the people that made it to heaven. See, you don't get to heaven by doing things. You get to heaven by what you believe. So where you go is determined by what you believe. But how you spend eternity is determined by what you do. So there is a reward system here on earth. And so for the people that made it to heaven because they believed, that's all they did, they believed. They will be raptured right here but they will have a different kind of clothing in heaven that will go for eternity. There is a gown of of salvation, but a robe of righteousness. So for the people that are craving and desiring and pursuing righteousness, and then when you have an unrighteous moment, you're driving down the road and you're, yeah, 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 you yell at somebody and you're like, oh God, I'm so sorry. There's this forgiveness, David, committed adultery, he murdered people, he killed people, but he cried out to the Lord. He loved righteousness and he was mad at himself every time he was unrighteous. And so when you love righteousness and you pursue righteousness, even though you make mistakes, the Lord sees your heart and he says, look, for eternity, you are going to have a robe of righteousness. And for the Joe, that all he did was believe that Jesus Christ died for them, which is awesome. He has a robe, different attire. This is, when the Bible says great loss, I'm telling you, I've been preaching since I was 18 years old. So that's like three years. Okay? I have heard a million times, hey, I'm not going to have the biggest crown in heaven, but I'm going to be there, so don't worry about it. I I don't, uh, to quote a movie that I can't remember, I don't think that means what you think it means. That's the prince's bride. Uh, Yeah. I don't think that means what you think it means. This is not, oh, you get a little smaller crown or you get a few less rubies. We're talking about great loss. Watch this. Um, The uh, degrees of, of glory. Certain people, when they walk, they will shine like a star. Let me give you an example. Let's say um, uh, 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 JJ over there. He's walking on top of a mountain. You and I are skipping rocks with David and Noah and Mary. We're skipping rocks in in a river in heaven. We look up on top of the mountain ridge and we're like, gosh, who is that? I can barely see. Who is that? Oh, that's JJ. He will, the Bible says this in Daniel, that those who witness, who tell people about the Lord will shine like a star in heaven for eternity. So when I say, invite people to church, drag them to church, beg them to come to church, why am I saying that? Two reasons why. This is real. Number two, when you stand before the Lord, the Lord will say, thank you. Watch this. Thank you for caring about what I cared about. For eternity, anytime someone looks at you, you're going to shine like a star in heaven. That's why for weeks and weeks and weeks in a row, I've been saying it is so important to find people and invite them to church. And why is that? Somebody might say, will you stop saying that? No, I won't. I I really won't. I really, really won't. So if you want me to stop, you don't want to hear it anymore. Just don't come back. Boom. Solve that problem. 
solve that problem. This right here is so important. Here's another reward. Land and houses. So often people walk around and they're like, man, when I get to heaven, it's going to look like I got, I'm going to have a mansion like Beverly Hills style. Oh, hold on. Who said? Who said? Not everybody gets a mansion. We don't just pass that out. These are rewards. These are rewards right here. And you could read about it all right there. Um, let me say this as well, that these are rewards after this. Now we move to the marriage supper. This is a celebration. This is when people get married, uh, they, 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 they have the, 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 the moment, the, um, the um, ceremony. Thank you. Boom, right here. And then after that, we go eat and we people are having fun and it's exciting. You're taking pictures. This right here is a supper. We're eating. We're festive. Why? Because eating is awesome. Some angel from this church brought chocolate chip cookies this morning and and brought them and and right in the middle of worship I started thinking about those chocolate chip cookies here's the thing this is gonna be so awesome now while you and I assuming we're all going to heaven everyone say amen to that while you and I are up in heaven receiving rewards loving each other crying with happiness not with sadness While all this is happening, there's another parallel event going on here. Now, this is not a joke. People can get saved here. But it is not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy. Now, I don't have the time to go into this. But I'm going to take a swing at it anyway. The tribulation right here, seven years of tribulation, is broken up into thirds. There is the seven seals. When Jesus stands in heaven, there are seven scrolls, and they are not sitting there waiting to be unraveled. There's a seal on it. And when he opens up that seal and reveals the scroll, instantly things happen on earth. This, there's seven seals. Then after the seven seals, there are seven trumpets. And after the seven trumpets, there are seven vials that get poured out onto the earth. While these seven things are happening, the seals, the trumpets, and the vials, devastating things are happening here. Let me just read off a a few of them. Are you ready? Everyone say, I'm ready. In Revelations chapter 12, John, which is a symbol of the church, is taken up to heaven to see all this. In Daniel chapter 9 verse 27, the Antichrist signs a covenant for seven years with the nation of Israel. Israel and the Antichrist sign a covenant. This event kicks off the tribulation. So for anyone here that thinks we're already in it, no. There will be no guessing. There's no guessing. Watch this. The first seal that's ripped off in Revelation chapter 6, Christ opens the first of seven sealed, uh, seven sealed scrolls. And this is what happens. And a rider on a white horse, probably the Antichrist, appears using diplomacy and the promise of peace to establish a one world government. The whole world falls under suit behind this guy. Let me jump to the fourth seal because I can't go through all of them. The fourth seal, when Jesus peels it off up here in heaven, we are still celebrating. We're loving on each other. All this is happening in parallel the fourth seal as do in all wars and death 
But in this case, it totals one-fourth of the people and living creatures are, are die. By today's population standards, that would amount to one and a half billion people. This is in Revelation chapter 6, 7, and 8. When the sixth seal, I'm skipping the fifth one, which is terrible stuff. The sixth seal, the wrath of God is poured out in the form of a mighty earthquake. Like, uh, the like of which has never been experienced. Watch this. It is so severe that people call on rocks to fall on them. They want to die. This is in Revelation chapter 6, 12 through 17. After the seventh seal, the seventh seal introduces the seven judge trumpets. Now watch this. A lot of people believe that the rapture is going to happen here. I don't believe that, and let me tell you why. The scriptures read this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. His children, He does not want His children to experience this. If I'm wrong, the rapture is no later than this mark right here. It cannot be over there. It cannot be right there. It cannot be right there. It can only be after the first third. Let me tell you why. Because the first third of the events, the first third, the seals, these are things that are happening man to man. Man is inflicting it upon man. This is when the earth itself is inflicting pain upon itself like natural disasters. After the first third, it's not man versus man anymore. Now it's God pouring wrath down. God is not going to do that to His children. He's going to take His children out. If you're not a child, that wrath is coming down on you. So if I'm wrong... The rapture can be no farther to the right than my dot right here. Because he will not pour his wrath on his children. But we've got so many scriptures that say that it'll happen well before the seven years starts. Watch this. The seven trumpets, I'm just going to name two. The third trumpet causes a great star, a meteor called wormwood or bitter to fall on the foundations of water and the third and a third of the rivers to turn bitter resulting in deaths of millions. The fifth trumpet introduces hideous demon-like creatures such as scorpions and locusts out of the bottomless pit. Not able to kill men, they torture them so badly that they will seek death and not find it. Let me just say this for, I just feel I need to say this. For anyone in here that says, I don't believe that. I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe anything you're saying. What you're telling me is, is that you don't believe this part of the Bible you don't believe this part of the Bible. And you don't believe this part of the Bible. These are the prophets. This is Daniel. This is Revelations. So if you're going to pick and choose which part of the Bible you believe, you may as well go to Vegas. You may as well. You either believe it all or you don't believe any of it at all. Revelations chapter 11. This is still the seven trumpets. This is just uh, two witnesses will prophesy for a hundred, uh, for 1260 days. This will happen about right in here. They will save, according to theologians, this is how they make the link. They will save about 144,000 that will preach. 
These 144,000 will be the preachers on the earth. You say, wow, that's a lot. Not so much. Joel Osteen has 60,000 in his church this morning. There's going to be 144,000 on the entire earth. Now, some of you are like, 60,000 at Lakewood? You don't have to go see it. Just (laughs) turn on the TV. This is the best place in town, period. All right. I'm just trying to let everybody breathe a little bit, okay? The seven vial drunk, uh, a vial is poured out into the sea, turning it to blood. And this is the very last one. The fifth vial will cause darkness to cover the throne of the Antichrist and his entire kingdom. Watch this. The sores will continue from other vials that I didn't read, producing such agony that men will gnaw their tongues for pain and blaspheme God and refuse to repent. They will be angry at God. They will be mad at God for allowing this to happen to their body. And you go, how in the world is that happening? I hate to admit this, but has anybody ever been mad at God before? I've been. I've prayed for someone that I deeply love that was only 42 years old. They didn't get healed and died. And I prayed for someone else that had a severed collarbone and I felt it move under my fingers and come back together just like that. And I'm back up saying, God, if I got to pick which miracle I could have, I would have picked that one. I wanted her to live. We can do surgery on a collarbone. I've had to wrestle through that. Watch this. People are going to be so mad at God that he is allowing this to happen, that they will refuse to worship him. The probability, people can get saved. There will be preachers on the earth. But not a lot. Only 144,000 on the globe. So much is happening here. The probability of people getting saved is very slim. But people will. And then, after all this is happening... Armageddon. We talked about this last week. Now, let me rehearse something I said last week. The Bible says that an army from the north, an army from the south, and an army from the east will all come together for this massive, massive war in the valley of Medago. Now you say, well, um, what about the west? (laughs) I know it's awkward because we are the west. One or two things are going to happen. Either one, the West doesn't exist. Or number two, the West supported Israel. And God uses the West as the eagle that carries his people. The Bible says that on eagle's wings, my people will be carried. So just pay attention to Israel and let's see what happens. Supporting Israel is of paramount importance. All right, let me keep going real quickly. So then... After this, the battle of Armageddon, while that battle is going on, now Jesus is going to come back for the second time. When he comes back, all of us are coming with him. So this war down here is going on, and it's a joke compared to the vengeance that he is bringing. You say, what do you mean vengeance? When he came here, he came as a baby, And the Bible says that he was a lamb unto God. He's a lamb here. He was a sacrificial lamb to pay for our sins here. When he comes here, he's not a lamb. He's a lion. Watch this. This is how the scriptures describe him. This is powerful. In Revelations chapter 1, 14 through 15, his head... And his hairs were like white wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they were burned in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of many waters. Revelations 19. With justice, he judges and makes war. See, over here... He said, turn the other cheek. Over here, he's done. 
You've been ignoring me enough. See, let me tell you what's going to happen to the people that are hearing my voice this morning. There's going to be lots of things, possible things that are going to happen. Number one is it's going to cause some of you to be more passionate about the things of God. On the other side, it'll confirm what you think is true, which is the church is a bunch of looney tunes, and I sound like a looney tune to you. The Bible says the foolish, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. So it appears like foolishness to you, and I'll never see you again, and that breaks my heart. Or there will be some of you that are so overwhelmed with the information that you just stick your head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend like it's not happening. But it's still happening. Watch this. Revelations chapter 19, verse 15. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword which, with which he strikes nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of fury of the wrath of God Almighty. It's such a joke because here, armies are fighting each other with M16s. When Christ comes down, he comes down on a white horse and as he speaks, people are dying. Now you say, well, what happens to the believers right here? The few believers that can make it through the tribulation? The few believers that can make it through the war and the 666 where uh, they are taking people's heads off if they don't receive the mark of the beast. If they can make it through this without getting mad at God, can you imagine how difficult that's going to be? I mean, people get bored with the church here. Here, you're mad at the church. But if you can get, give your heart to the Lord and stay faithful through this, then when the second coming takes place, now notice the arrows. People are going up. Here, Christ is coming down. But when he comes down, all the people that are saved, all the angels, and all these people come up and follow suit with the Lord. There's a second coming and this is war. Now, when he comes down, he's killing demons. He's killing evil people. He's killing people that don't want to give their life to the Lord. Now, when he gets down, all that is done. Now we got a millennial reign. Now, this is going to be fun. The reason why it's going to be fun is the Lord created the Garden of Eden over here. And man figured out how to mess it up. And we mess it up, mess it up, mess it up, mess it up. We try to start again. Mess it up, 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 mess it up. And then the Lord says, all right, let me show you how it was supposed to be for a thousand years. Now, what's cool about that is the presidents, the kings, the rulers, they're either dead or they're under the reign and rule of guess who? You! Let me read it real quick. It reads like this, Daniel chapter 7 verse 9. I beheld till the thrones that were cast down, and the Antichrist of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and his hair... I'm sorry, I read the wrong verse. Daniel chapter 7 verse 27, it reads like this. Then the sovereignty and the power and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the rulers will worship and obey Him. So all this is sitting right here. Now, over here, He makes a new heaven and a new earth. But right here... There's lots of repairing of this. What's the difference between repairing in a new heaven? The difference is, is if you take a, a, an older car and you repair it, because this whole world has been getting blown to smithereens. Let me share with you, it reads like this. Revelations chapter 21 verse 5. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
So for 1,000 years, we are going to rebuild this place and make it the way it was supposed to be with Jesus Christ walking on the earth, ruling with you and I. Some of your grandmas that won't stop praying, they're going to be ruling cities. Remember how I read earlier? Did I read that during this service? I don't think I read it during this service. I think I read it during the first service. Let me see if I can find it. Luke chapter 19, 1 and 2. The Lord will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. His master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and he said, sir, your mana has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. You see, the rewards that are given here, many people will be in charge of cities and states in here. It's a phenomenal situation that God is going to establish and the faithful will reap the greatest rewards. Now watch this. The new earth Isaiah, why don't you come on up because I'm closing now. After this, the great white throne. This is where non-believers stand before Christ. See, over here, it's believers. Over here, it's non-believers. This is when the Bible says every knee will bow. Amen. So all these people that are in hell and all these people right here, every person that has ever lived on the planet that has this arrogant, pompous, spirit about them all of their knees will bow right there and then a new heaven and a new earth let me read it to you for behold I will create new heavens and a new earth and the former shall not be for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. A new Jerusalem. A new heaven, a new earth, and eternity begins. Let me read this last two verses. Matthew chapter 25. Watch therefore for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. In Luke chapter 22 verse 31 Jesus says to Simon that Satan is coming to sift you like wheat. Do you know that Satan is still sifting people like wheat? He is looking at people and he's saying what do I have to do to take this person down well this person their weakness is money they'll never have enough they crave money they want money they'll sell their soul for money just give them this one is a million dollars you can get them for a million this one you put 10 million in front of them and you got them this guy's only 500,000 because he, he comes from a poor family 500,000 is might as well be 500 million 500 million this guy right here it's not money you cannot you cannot distract him with money. Send a girl. Send a guy. Open up the world of pornography. Just allow it to be cool. It's not women. It's not money. It's actually the pride of life for this one. He will sift us like wheat. I encourage everybody here to realize how important it is to constantly check the flame of your own heart. To constantly ask yourself, where is that flame? Preachers no longer have to come up here and unroll a long list of sins and say, if you do these sins, you're going to burn in hell. You don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. Maybe we had to do that in the Old Testament. We don't have to do it anymore. Do you know why? Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has put the law on your heart. Do you know what that means? You know what that means? You know what's right. You know what's wrong. And the moments, the moments that you go, 
I know that's wrong. And you muffle it. You shush your conscience. Shh. Shh. And then your conscience no longer has a voice. And you can come, come in here and just be thinking about going to Luby's. Your con- this is an urgent thing. This is an urgent thing. We have to constantly back up and ask the Lord, Lord, I love you, I need you. You know what I've been doing before I even wake up in the morning now? Because I realize that Satan wants to destroy my family. He wants to destroy me. He wants to destroy you. If he can't kill you, he will steal and destroy. See, we're all still alive. We're breathing. But how many of us can look back over our life like a timeline just like that and say, okay, I'm 38 years old. It was right here where Satan stole And right here where Satan stole. And right here where Satan destroyed. And we have got to back up and say, I have got to keep myself fervent for you. And I'll tell you, if you're going to memorize something, memorize the Lord's Prayer. I've been saying it for probably 20 times a day. I just lay in bed. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you just say it. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. And you just begin to go through it. Lead me not into temptation. You say lead me not into temptation. You know why? Because you and I both know under temptation we may crumble. See, God is not impressed with your ability to stand up to temptation. He's impressed with your ability to run from it. run from it but deliver me from the evil one these are things that we constantly constantly pray if you are not pursuing you are withdrawing if you are not on fire you are either cold or lukewarm let me ask you the question what are you Are you on fire? Are you passionate? Or are you cold? Or are you lukewarm? If you're anything other than passionate, somebody needs to tell you to shake yourself. Shake yourself. Who cares what you feel like? Your feelings lie. They lie about everything. Our self-esteem and our self-image is, in the bo- is, is, is at the bottom of the basement in the morning. It's high in the afternoon. It's low in the evening. They, it lies. Who cares what you feel like? You shake yourself. I don't, I don't feel like worshiping. Who cares? I, I feel like eating brownies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. My feelings lie. Dear God, I love you. And if your whole prayer is just one word, just say that one word. I've, watch this. This is my last thing, I promise. It was Smith Wigglesworth, or one of the early church fathers, that said this. I rarely pray one hour, but I don't let an hour go by without praying. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. Can you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to tell you something. This this is what I feel in my heart. The the Lord has been waiting for this day, for this day. I just feel a prophetic anointing on me right now. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. He has been waiting for this day, this hour, for a year. You're having an appointment with the Holy Spirit right now. He's been waiting for a year. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you know who I'm talking to. This is not, what I'm saying right now is not for everybody. This is for somebody in particular. He has been waiting for this appointment for a year. So that you would hear me say, 
This is real and he misses you and he loves you. He misses you and he loves you. He misses your attention and your affection and he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he does not care about what has happened prior to this moment right here. He does not care. He cares more about your direction than your position. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? For those of you, listen to me, for those of you that are having sex out of wedlock, do you really think that the Lord is going to look down and see the fact that you knew it was wrong and you chose to not care and he's going to overlook that? Do you really think that? Do you really think that? I want you to look at me real quick. I've got to say this. Everybody look at me. Do you really think, this is not for everybody, this is just for a few people. Do you really think that you can know the truth, do the exact opposite with him watching you? And then on the day that you stand, do you really think that you are going to be okay when you stand before God. Do you really think that? He's going to look at you and go, you knew the truth, you knew I was watching you, and you said, you can mock people on this earth and get away with it. Some of you can mock your father or your mother and get away with it. You can't mock God. You cannot look at God and say, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'll see you in heaven. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus looked at those preachers and said, yeah, you rebuke people, you rebuke demons in my name, you preach in my name, but I never knew you. Depart from me. How do you fall into a different category than that? Either you have a relationship with him or you don't. Bow your head and close your eyes. This is a private moment. If you do not have a relationship with him, but today is the day. And let me just say this as well. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so, I got to say this one last thing. I know I've said one last thing 17 times. But if you are living a sinful lifestyle with someone else, you are taking them wherever you're going. You're taking them where you're going. So if today's the day where things change, where you call on God's mercy and you call on God's grace, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Say, I'm just going to raise my hand in my heart. Not out, not out. I don't want anyone to see it. First of all, nobody's looking. But secondly, if you're ashamed of God in front of man, the Bible says he will be ashamed of you in front of his father. Is there anyone here that says, today's the day I get more serious? See, now hands are going up all over the room. Can everybody in this room just raise both hands and let's call out on God. I don't know about you, but I need His mercy as well. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I need the blood that You shed on the cross to wash me of my sins. You're my Lord and Savior. I need your mercy and I need your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel a strong presence of the Holy Spirit in this room. 
You're free to go whenever you want to go, but let's sing this song at least one time through before anyone leaves. Let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just speak strength into your life. Satan, I rebuke you, your words, your spirit. I command you to leave these children of God alone. Stop infiltrating their life with doubt. In the name of Jesus, they will be victorious. Their father will be victorious. Their mother will be victorious. Their children will be victorious. Their brothers, their sisters, their husbands, their wives, they will be victorious. They will be overcomers in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, that when they pray, hell shakes. I thank you, Lord, that when they pray, miracles happen. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in their heart, what you're doing in their soul. I thank you, Lord, for the appointment that is happening right now in this room. I thank you that you're anointing them to be stronger than they've ever been. I thank you, Lord, for visions and dreams and spiritual passion in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that their heart is on fire. I thank you, Lord, that it's like lightning in their veins, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you are raising these people up for a time such as this. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, pour yourself out upon every head in this room. In Jesus' name, let's worship him now.